Hey gang, welcome to episode 290, oh wow, of the No Presidium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro headquarters here in Los Angeles. This week on the show, it's one of our TeamSpeak episodes. Uh, we've gathered up a number of members of the team. That would be uh, Catherine Yu, our executive editor, uh, Patrick McLean, the uh, Chicago curator, and uh, new to the show, Aaliyah Davis, who's one of our correspondents out in New England. Aaliyah's specialty is LARP. We're going to get into that. Uh, and yeah, from time to time, we just like to bring the team together, talk about, you know, what we've been playing, what trends we're seeing, uh, what's on our mind, uh, just to kind of give a little insight into just how we're viewing this sprawling universe of immersive and experiential work. Uh, have many a programming note uh, for you coming up. Uh, number one, my mic was hot, so I've, I've reined in my levels here. Uh, there's there's just too many fail points in in a computerized recording system for my liking. Uh, I'm I'm analog old school. You you had you had your gain and your volume. That was it. Then now it's like make the MacBook do this and the see it is just it's too many things. So I'm I'm trying to to perfect that. But there's there's a few times uh, that my voice will distort. Uh, and, uh, I'm definitely not happy about that. Uh, everyone else sounds fine. Of course, it's only me, only the host whose recording is messed up. So that's a program note literally for this time, but I have reined in the audio, so it, you shouldn't have to worry about the volume of it. Just all crackle. Okay. So there's that, uh, there's another programming note. So, um, on the 26th of March, uh, uh, our friend Jacob Patterson, uh, recorded for us a clubhouse room that was held in the Extending Realities Club. Uh, this was an event that was part of the day-long uh, programming for Stand With Asians, uh, which you can learn more of about at uh, standwithasians.com, uh, that our good friend Carl Choi was one of the organizers of. And so this was a, this was framed to say a, a live brainstorm uh, of you know what could the, what could the immersive community do uh, to be part of uh, this this movement to show support for our our brothers and sisters in the Asian American and Pacific Islander communities who have been kind of under assault for a while now and that all kind of came to a head last month uh, with what happened in Atlanta that has been recorded and that is going to go into the podcast feed not on the patreon but into the podcast feed uh later today um so you're getting two uh episodes this week if you will uh you will not be getting an episode next week i am taking a bye week um, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, we just did the spring fling. I'm very tired. I know I'm very tired because I'm going to bed earlier <laughs> than I usually do. I don't have the energy to read comic books at the end of the day or even watch a television show. So I'm like, okay, I need to catch up on my rest. And, um, honestly, uh, 
I get to do taxes and clean the house. It's not really a vacation. It's just no new business for a week. You will be getting the newsletter. You will be getting the call sheet. But again, no new business, uh, no podcast, no recordings, no uh, reviews coming out of my part of the shop. And indeed, uh, I've got one more review uh, that I'm going to fire off today, Hell or High Water, but no new reviews after that from me. Uh, Catherine is also, uh, she's, she's headed towards, uh, thesis time. So, uh, don't, don't necessarily expect a lot out of, out of her next week. Uh, for those of you who go and, uh, uh, kick it on Thursdays with us on the clubhouse show, uh, that will continue to happen. Uh, looks like we've got some, uh, Kent's going to hold down the fort, uh, and looks like we've got some cool guest hosts who are going to come in and the topic's going to be good. So that's not going away uh, that group effort. And of course, our social media is going to be there. The Everything Immersive group is there. Everythingimmersive.com will continue to operate normally. There may be a review or two that comes out next week, but a low effort week from us next week while we just tidy up a little bit of spring cleaning time. Also, I'm getting my second shot on Saturday. It may knock me out. And all the things I do on the weekend uh, will then need to be happening on Monday and Tuesday and whatnot. So, yeah gotta take some time off when we come back we're hitting the ground running we've got um yet another show idea that we're we're working on we're gonna drop uh into the discord now that discord has stages we're going to be taking advantage of that and doing some programming over there we're also in the mode of recruiting some more people into the club um, clubhouse to run some stuff but uh, i want to balance that out as much as possible with what we're doing over in the discord and I'm thinking, uh, thinking real hard about how we can leverage kind of a, maybe an open mic situation for our Patreon backers. So folks who want to host stuff for the community in, uh, the discord, we can set that up, uh, by a combination of both invite and just, a just a, a program set up for, for our Patreon backers. Speaking of our Patreon backers, I want to give a shout out to our latest. I know so many of you hold down the fort for us on this, so I'm not going to do the hard pitch right now, but our latest backer is Brendan Bradley. Uh, yes, the Brendan Bradley is our latest backer. We're, we're back to 340 backers uh, off our high of 345 and our goals of being fully sustainable. <laughs> Speaking of sustaining, though, we would not be able to do what we do without the help of Ari Hurstend. Brittany, Elaine, Emily Gillette, Lonnie Hanson, Paul F., Mark Baltazar, Samuel Mistry, Sydney Guillory, and Jan Budman. And another note, Ari's album comes out today, so um, you can check it out uh, with with the rest of us. Uh, go on to your your music streaming service of choice, type in Ari's name, and you'll you'll find it. Uh, Ari A R I Hurston H E R S T A N D. There you go. That's go search go search for him. He's, he keeps us alive. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm watching the wave from here and seeing all these peaks. I'm like, Ugh, everything's looking really just, just, just ducky, just ducky. Uh, yeah, I'm really tired. And this is a TeamSpeak show. You're going to get a lot of me. So let's just, let's just do that. Let's, let's, let's do that. I'll talk to you like for like a minute or two on the back end. All right, there we go. <laughs> Hey, 
Hey gang, it's Noah here. I'm going to have the whole table ID themselves because we got four voices this time out and it's going to be a lot easier for you if we do the due diligence of identifying us. So of course, you know my voice uh, and you also should be very familiar with the voice of Catherine Yu, our executive editor. Hello, Catherine. Hello, Noah. Gosh, I haven't spoken to you for a whole day. (laughs) (laughs) Aside from the 15 minutes pre-show, or going on a half hour now because we had technical problems, uh, yeah, that's that's true. It's a classic Uh, team speak because we had to switch platforms. It couldn't couldn't be a team speak without it. Uh, Also joining the show, like, I think, Patrick, you've been on the show before, right? Yeah. Uh, Yes, I have a couple times. And that would be Patrick McLean, who is the uh, Chicago coordinator. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. All right. And then Leah Davis, have you, have we had you? I can never tell what we've recorded or not when we get the whole team together. Have you been on the show before? Uh, I have never been recorded here before. So no, this is my first time. Hi. Welcome. Leah uh, is one of our correspondents out in, you're in, you're in like the Boston area, right? Is that get that right? I I exist beyond time and space, uh, but <laughs> but in yes, one of I, the mentions you're in New England. It is. I, I do cover New England uh, immersive. Yes, fantastic. Uh, this, of course, is a classic team speak episode. So we're just kind of going to be talking about going to start with the news in the moment, what we've been playing, uh, just kind of let people kind of catch up with where the team's at. Uh, and then we're going to do some, everyone's got a little deep dive that we're going to uh, spend some time talking about and interrogating. So uh, wanted to start because it, it is your first time out. Uh, Leah, what have you been, what's been catching your eye lately? What have you been playing? There was a couple of things I know you're kind of excited about at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so I just finished reviewing a show called uh, The Window, and this is by Fast Familiar. It's a collaboration with, let's see, I want to make sure I get the name right here. It is a collaboration with Dr. Sarah Naomi James of University College London, and it's a show that was one of eight recipients of the Alzheimer's Research UK's inaugural Inspire Awards. So this show really, really caught my eye because it seemed at the outset like a PSA um, for Alzheimer's awareness, uh, but it was done by a company that had been doing some really interesting stuff, especially early pandemic. <laughs> um, can you hear my cat in the background? Yes, Is yes. that okay? <laughs> it's totally fine. No, it's, it's, you said pandemic and then a pandemic thing happened. Uh, so it's totally, totally normal. Right. So this is the session, this, the section of the podcast called Can I Meet Your Cat? Uh, this is Edith. <gasps> She's here for it, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, oh, man, I really, I wish I had something to contribute <laughs> to that part of the podcast. But okay. We've got, so, but yes, uh, Leah was not laughing about Alzheimer's. She was laughing about cats. So, correct, uh, so, correct. This, so this piece, The Window. Right. So it struck me as a PSA. I wasn't entirely sure how I was going to get into it, but I was extremely intrigued Uh, And it turns out they did a really delicate, interesting job pulling you into the story with some beautiful binaural audio. Uh, It was a remarkably calm and introspective and enjoyable 45 minutes. 
so that's playing right now, and I really recommend people go out and check it out. You might learn a few things and enjoy <laughs> uh, some time away from your screen. Fantastic. Oh, so like this is this is a fully screenless experience. It is fully screenless. Um, and, you know, I don't want to give any spoilers. I don't think this is a spoiler here, but there's a really charming intro where they set it all up for you and they tell you exactly what to expect. So especially if you're not really familiar with immersive audio pieces, um, this is a great place to start. Fantastic. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely... There's a there's kind of a push right now. It's not even a I don't think it's a conscious push, but I, I'm seeing, and it's I'm so glad it's happening. I'm seeing a lot more work that is really about something, whether it's you know grappling with a, a chronic illness or a social problem or a bit of difficult history. Uh, you know the kind of stuff that you know you tend to think about theater like is a is a vehicle for um we're 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 seeing those kind of projects again and not just you know the hey we're solving a mystery to launch a rocket ship to take us to mars to party with elon musk or whatever you know whatever entertainment's going on of which we're totally glad those things exist right but there's there's definitely something um that kind of I think brightens our hearts here when we see artists and companies kind of tackling issues and not just, not just going for, you know, light entertainment. I think you really put your finger on something there too. Um, It seems like for the last year, so much of the work that's been about something, uh, capital A, capital S has been about connection and how we connect to people and how we hold space. Uh, And I, I love that kind of work. But I'm also really excited to start seeing people expand out of it and tackle other issues or important things that we should be thinking about, can be thinking about, enjoy thinking about. So I'm going to note here, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a footnote. Uh, we are having lots of, on this side, audio issues with you, um, which... Uh, the way Zencaster works, in theory, we've got a local version of your recording, which is one of the reasons why I love Zencaster. So in theory, we will not hear the the distortions, but it's definitely going to make back and forth tricky. Um, but we'll keep on going. I just got it just flashed us offline twice. Um, so we need to be conscious of that. So if it gets, if it gets really, really bad, uh, we may, we may just hit the, the abort button on that, which is unfortunate because I really want to do your LARP section. So I'm going to make another footnote here that that section's gone. Patrick, get ready. Cause I'm going to segue into your section. Okay. Great. All right. So, uh, back at it segue. This is another reason why I like Zencaster. It gives you control over these, these sort of things and lets you footnote the audio so you know what's going on. Patrick, you're going to come up to bat. What's been catching your eye at the moment? Uh, yeah. So I've uh, a while back, this, uh, I did 
Mars Raiders through Totally Human. Uh, it's a game, an interactive. Wait, game. so I was just like disparaging like things about Mars, and now we're straight to Mars Raiders. Okay, uh, awkward for segue. me, but cool. Yeah, segue, segue. Got it, got it. Um, I'm being called. The creator would be it. into it. I think yeah. Janet, they would be into it. Yeah, yeah. Good, so good. this is from Janet Howe, and it's a very cool interactive game experience where. Um, you essentially you are part of a select group of audience members who get to meet the first returning uh, astronaut from their Mars mission, and to course keep it very vague, things begin to go haywire, and there are certain possibilities of outcome. And what I really enjoyed about the experience was that. Uh, it was very accessible and it was very easy to get into. Sometimes with these kind of light LARPing games, they definitely, you know, like they ask too much too quickly and you find yourself in over your head where this definitely had a very kind of simple, like just be yourself, you know, ask questions, do puzzles, be involved and be engaged. And they definitely took care of the audience in that sense and really elevated them. Um, so I think what the team there did was really well. And, uh, a real joy and uh, i recommend it now to everyone because if you are listening uh right now today the day the podcast drops they are performing uh april 10th and i don't know the status of the tickets but if there are some available i would highly recommend going to check it out all right that is always good to send people off over to the everything immersive site uh and drop in mars raiders and snag some tickets for the next show. Uh, the reason why we do what we do. Uh, Catherine, anything uh, catch your eye at the moment? Yeah, um, just to kind of tag off of what Patrick has been saying. Oddly, I've done two separate immersive experiences that um, the kind of fictional conceit for the reason why you all have to gather online is like something related to a neighborhood watch. So. Um, I'm about halfway through um, Welcome Home, uh, which is Shine On Collective's kind of puzzle box plus dessert plus telephone experience thing. So it's been, you know, I man, I really need to remember how much I like doing tactile puzzles, like physical things, because this involves like a lot of pieces of paper and opening envelopes. And um, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, it's just really nice to hold like a bunch of well-designed thoughtful material um in terms of like letters and brochures and notes and envelopes and whatnot so that's one of those things um and then in addition to that um during south by southwest i was lucky enough to play pimp plymouth point which was created by i want to say two folks who had worked with punch drunk and it is like, if you're looking at it in terms of, like, an escape game, the puzzles themselves are not that interesting. But they're doing a lot of stuff that's really nice in terms of playing with Zoom, leading you through different websites. So it's got that transmedia ARG element. And then they do some some tricks and reveals that really feel more cinematic than anything else. So mm. that's really fun. They have three experiences running in the UK. And one of the reasons why it's, like, online but geolock is because there's a phone number involved so the first episode of their uh, like trilogy is called plymouth point they've ported that over to the u.s um the second one is mermaid's tongue that's coming soon so just uh and again like the reason you're on zoom is because you're part of neighborhood watch and someone's gone missing and so it's just kind of like a very 
classic, easy to fall into trope. Like, you know who you are, you're a concerned neighbor, you know what you're supposed to be doing, you got to solve the mystery. And then just like, I know people are all like, I want branching and I want exploration, but I am fine being on rails if those (laughs) rails are well designed. Because, you know, y'all, sometimes I'm tired and it, you know, I want my gold star for solving that puzzle. Even if that puzzle was not that hard to begin with. Sometimes you don't want Call of Duty. Sometimes you want House of the Dead. You know, you want an on-rails experience. You just want it to be fun. You want to know who you are, what you're doing, why you're there. Wind you up, pull the string, go. Yeah. Um. I, I completely like the, that some of that's actually going to come up later with my big thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for, for, for the week. So I'm kind of really glad you flagged it there. Um, my, my little thing, uh, not, not a, not a new one. Um, mostly cause like the new one is going to be my big thing later, but, uh, I, and, and I've got something waiting for me that I meant to get to today. Like there's a, there's like a whole like hand tracking thing in the oculus app lab that's like a ten dollar app that shows you like i think like 25 different things you can do with the hand tracking uh like in an intense way so i I totally want to go like see how good that is but it feels like a ten dollar tech demo but maybe i'm wrong like there's there's some jenga looking stuff in there and i'm like ooh, can i play jenga in the quest this could be kind of cool but i did pop the quest back on today I hadn't done Supernatural in like a month. And one of the reasons why I hadn't was because um, there's just been this, um, um, one of the coaches uh, had like a, a, a kind of a tragedy happen in in, uh, in their in their life and they had been out for a minute. And like, I follow some of these people on social media and it, it just kind of got like really strange to like know that the reason why someone wasn't around was because this had happened. And, so like I'm I'm neurotic that way where I was like all I'd gone in a couple of times it was like well so and so's not here and like and then now now they're back and so I went and I checked out the first one they did coming back because I was just kind of like all I hope they're doing okay right like literally that's what I was thinking like there's this parasocial relationship between me and this like you know uh, you know, video coach person because of social media and because like they appear as this like homunculus in my in my room all the time and make me work out and i gotta say like they they dove in on the hard end and they it was really kind of amazing because if you know the context of this return to it the, the list they put picked out, the tracks they picked out, what they were saying, and like kind of the love they were showing back because they were acknowledging that like the community in Supernatural had been there for them. Like they saw like a lot of support flow through. Um, and I got close to crying in the headset. And at one point she's all like, it's okay if we're crying while we're sweating. And I think that's what actually kind of like almost like took me there. And it was just, it was, it was kind of, it's kind of mind blowing. Like I'm still kind of like, my mind's a little bit blown, um, you know, just the, the strength of this, this person, you know, diving back into the work literally on the hard end. They said like, I asked for the hard, I wanted to do a hard workout with all of you and just 
tackling it head on. Um, just, yeah, like a, a real kind of transcendent, oddly transcendent experience and something that, you know, blurs the boundaries of broadcast media, social media, immersive experience, parasocial relationships, just, just un- unlike anything else, I think I've, I've tapped into in something that was just considered, you know, a workout app or a workout program. So, and I'm being, I mean, a little bit vague just to like not put someone's like business entirely on main. Uh, but you know, it's, it's out there in the supernatural, you know, Facebook community. If, if you take a look at it, you know, like kind of what, what went down, uh, just, to, just, a, just a, you know, a sad moment, uh, just uh, someone's life being interrupted and just watching them kind of roar back in uh, has been just really, really beautiful. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I think I still got everybody here. <laughs> Dead silence. I'm like, uh-oh, did I scare everybody? Oh, Catherine in the chat's like, don't know how to segue from that. Yeah, no, not an easy one. Yeah, I pick the hard one sometimes. Uh, but I think that's how that's how we just like segue out is uh, we're going to check in with Leah because in, uh, in our pre-roll, when I was asking everyone, like, what are they into? Uh, the actual answer is Leah's got some LARPs she's prepping for this fall. And like, that's what's top of mind. So let's start interrogating that. So what are these LARPs you have coming up and why are you obsessing over them now already? Take us through that. Like how, how, how are you like hyped already for something that's going to be in like November? Noah, I am so glad you asked. (laughs) Um, So hold on just one second. (laughs) All right. Um, I'm so glad you asked. I am really excited about a handful of blockbusters coming back up. It's going to be amazing to be LARPing in person again. Uh, there's been a lot just of chatter. So knows, when you say blockbuster, you mean blockbuster LARP. It's a term of art that people don't necessarily know what that means. Oh, man. All right. Blockbuster LARP. Um, actually, why don't we do this? There are a handful of different kinds of LARPs. So on the one end, we've got parlor LARPs, which are like small time things. They happen maybe over uh, the course of a couple hours. They're very intimate. Uh, You've got recurring LARPs where people go uh, out into a campsite every couple of months maybe. And um, then we've got these things called blockbusters, which usually happen once a year um, or just once. They often take up uh, a long weekend or period of time. They cost a little bit more and the production values are really high. So some of you might be familiar with um, the LARP College of Wizardry. It got a lot of hype back in 2015. Uh, It's over at a castle, at Choa Castle in Poland. And for a while, it was doing really, really well. The production company um, went under. There was a lot of internal strife and drama, as there tends to be in these communities sometimes. And... The miraculous thing about College of Wizardry is that the community came back together uh, and put enough support behind it that uh, the whole IP was bought by, um, I believe, P Production Company, 
I'll double check on that. But College of Wizardry came back and then the pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Everything got shut down, uh, which has a silver lining because a lot of LARP went online and became more accessible for people that wouldn't necessarily get into these um, blockbuster communities otherwise. Because they're too expensive or too far away. Poland to go to a castle. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Right. So now you've got a lot of people who are excited about this, um, who have had a year to really get to know some of these communities. And suddenly things are spinning up and going back in person. Um, A lot of us are hoping that we get a mixed of in-person and remote. And it looks like that's the way it's going for a while, that that it will go that way at least for a while longer. Uh, But for those of us like me that are really looking forward to seeing people in person again, we've got a few LARPs that were canceled uh, that are now tentatively announcing dates. Triumph, which is a Hunger Games-themed LARP, is happening in November 2021. This is in Croatia. Uh, The Haunting of Grey Manor from Reverie Studios is coming back for October 2021 in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And Reverie Studios is about to announce a new LARP called Ember. Uh, (laughs) There's very little information about this, except it will probably be in Maine, probably in September. And it's a game that centers around um, uh, refugees and rebuilding. So go ahead. Oh, no, no, you please. (laughs) <laughs> well, the thing is, I could talk about this literally all day without stopping for breath. <laughs> okay, so so I'll give you give you a chance to catch your breath to like drill down into a bit of this, and and I invite Patrick and Catherine to also like jump in with any questions they might have. So, like, talk to us about the fact that like you're you're juiced now. You mentioned about you know that this this is a slow that these things can be slow burns. So it's not just about the weekend. It's not just about the event, but but the 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 build up there. So unpack that a little bit for us if you could. Absolutely. So when people in the LARP community start getting ready for a LARP, it often happens. Uh, people don't just sign up and then show up the next day. There's a whole process that goes into creating your character uh, so that it fits within the overall story. The LARP writers or the producers will work with you on that oftentimes. Um, and that's just the beginning. So after you go through the process of figuring out what kind of character you might want to play, you'll get your character blurred back. And then you've got this whole period of time, months, hopefully. In this case, I've had two years to get ready for Triumph. Uh, And during that time, you're often joining the online communities, creating connections with other players, both out of game and in game, so that you have stories to tell when you show up to the LARP together. and maybe doing a little bit of light role play sometimes. College of Wizardry definitely had a Facebook adjacent tool that they used for in-game socializing, um, just like college students would use before going to their freshman year. I have a question in regards to kind of LARPing. As someone who's only briefly done it and only online because the pandemic in the very early days, I was like, well, I'm here at home. Uh, it's now or never to give this a try, right? <laughs> and uh, in, in hearing you talk about this, I'm kind of curious to learn, like, the experience I had was very kind of loosey-goosey, and I was not sure about the agency I had both as a player and a character. And so I guess if you could clarify, like, so you're talking about months. So, like, when you show up after all that character work and pre-planning with the writers and the creators managing these things, is it more about just playing the role 
with maybe a, an opportunity where if like they throw something random at you, you can have light impro improvisation or are, are they typically like, you just are so confident who you are that that allows for uh free improv and free agency to build to whatever moments that are occurring. Hmm. That's a really great question. So it's, going to be different from game to game and from person to person. And I know that's not a very satisfying answer, but in a blockbuster LARP especially, uh, my experience has been that the framework for the game is really tight. And what I mean by that is um, there's a set schedule where the first day is maybe uh, sorting into houses, let's say, if this is College of Wizardry, and the second day is... Um, classes and then the third day is the winter ball. So you've got these things that are planned to happen, these these skeleton bits and then the characters are become the muscle that <laughs> move the story along. And often the story will go in completely unexpected places um because of how people are improving along the way. Now I would say that the whole game of especially of around Nordic LARP, which is a very story heavy mechanics light kind of game, uh, is entirely improv, except for the NPCs. Oh, you know what? That's a worthwhile thing to note. Uh, <laughs> instead of actors, in a big LARP like this, we have non-playable characters. And those are people who are usually part of the staff or they've been uh, taken on as volunteers and they have a specific track to play. Uh, and they'll interact with the playable characters, with the people who are coming on uh, to attend the LARP. But they're the ones who really create the the backbone of the story within uh, the framework of the schedule. You know, they've usually got, you know, really clearly defined goal. Like if it's done well, they've got clearly defined motivations that are at cross purposes with some degree of each other in order to create room for PCs to come in and, you know, pick a side or get wrapped up in the drama. Um, you know, they're they're also really anchored into the lore of the world because, you know, it's not like a video game. And I mean, you can have a certain level of production values and kind of bake the lore physically into the space, but really you're baking the lore into the backstories of the NPCs and through them, you kind of understand what the world is, at least when things are are, are usually running pretty smoothly in in my understanding of it and it's been since the 90s since i've done any kind of heavy <laughs> larping but i don't think there's some things about stories don't change although online larping has been really interesting lately too because i think that people have been struggling patrick to to find their footing when it comes to guiding people uh through online interfaces or mm. walking that line between being a theater production and being a game and like, how do you, how do you turn that into a LARP um, has been an interesting thing to follow. Yeah, for sure. And then of course, just the tech, tech, technology aspect of it, like the, you know, internet issues or hardware limitations and things like that. Which, <laughs> I mean, that's just such an X factor that, you know, once again, we could spend all day talking about, but for sure. Like, I feel like, yeah, <laughs> that's definitely not, but it is important, I think, to that conversation to a certain degree, just or acknowledging it, right? That that too plays a factor. It does. And you know, what I've found, um, and I don't know what this says exactly, but I've found that I really prefer LARPing in person. 
but I prefer ARGs and ARXs um, online. So I prefer playing essentially myself in a scenario when I'm online, and I'm happy to play a character in a different scenario when I'm LARPing. Interesting. Well, I wonder if you could unpack a little bit this idea. And one of the reasons I'm diving deep here on LARP is because, you know, LARP is one of the foundational, you know, parts of immersive, whether people know it or not, right? Like the techniques are always being relied upon. The issues are always being encountered. There are solves that the LARP community has come up with over the years that, you know, the immersive theater folks maybe don't know about. So we try and introduce them. There have been many an episode of this show where we've had we've, we've had that exact <laughs> you know, discussion. You know, we've had folks like Jason Carl on to talk about, you know, uh, the, the sort of influences, et cetera. But you said that, you know, there are people who are struggling with that line between when it, with the online stuff between, you know, you know, immersive theater and LARP and what's a performance and what's, you know, you know, interactive and how to shepherd people this way are, is that a matter of like noobs coming in? I said it. I said noobs. <laughs> it's a matter of noobs coming in who just like don't know how much agency they're supposed to exert. Or is it about corralling attention uh, in these forms? Well, so first of all, noobs are always welcome in LARP. Um, everyone was a Thank noob once. Thank you for once. saying that. Thank you. We were <laughs> all noobies at some point. <laughs> It is, of course, done tongue-in-cheek when I say it. So, like, if it's everyone's first day on the internet. It's someone's first day on the internet. And I do not mean that in a derogatory fashion. I mean it literally. And, and so people if you're for listening de- to this podcast for the very first time, Noah's making a joke. Exactly. Uh, you, can't, you can't run a vampire LARP in college when you're 19 and not have a sense of humor about this stuff when you're many years later. But I do think that you're asking the right question because uh, the inclusion of new people to LARPing has been central to what LARPing is for, for forever. Um, bringing new people in is what makes the game interesting over time, in my opinion. But the place where we're struggling is not having new people that don't know what the boundaries are. It's having this new space where people aren't entirely well-versed in learning how, in expressing or teaching those those boundaries. So I think when you can get people into a room together and you can physically show them what the safety mechanics are and how to signal that they need help or signal that things need to that the energy needs to be brought up or brought down without taking people out of character that's great you've got a community of people who now know how to pass these cultural norms down yeah. um, but when you're doing this over technology you're trying to overcome two things right teaching new people and teaching them without having had the experience of teaching them over this medium before. Oh, that's, that's so, so much of what you're talking about right now. Like my thing at the end, like there's, there's some of these exact issues <laughs> for, for part of it. Right. Like this is something everyone's facing. Cause like, you know, you don't know if you have everyone's attention. You don't know if, if someone's camera is off, is it because they're just checked out or is it because they're, you know, they just don't not like being f- right. on camera, right? I'm not feeling it. I had too much Zoom class or like, you can't see it, but I'm actually trying to like wrangle pet or wrangle child or wrangle a delivery. Yeah. You, yeah you I don't can't know see, what you're talking I'm about. <laughs> 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 no, no. Well, and and then there's that whole like, 
you know, hey, we're going to be in the Zoom for like, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. And it's like, whoa, wait a second, right? Like we may have been here, like some people may have been there all day and other people not. And so it's the the energy thing is just so different. So, I mean. Oh, man. Yeah, I I did. (laughs) I did. uh, uh, Right when the pandemic first started uh, around March last year, uh, I did a fantastic women-oriented LARP called uh, Sanctuary Avalon, and it was a great game that would have worked really beautifully in person. But over Zoom, we were doing six-hour sessions in an evening, and it was a lot. Yeah. 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 I mean, I there was there was a fair number of things right at the start of the pandemic where people were going like really, really long. And I don't know. I guess I just don't have the attention span for that. <laughs> but like but Noah, I think... in person you don't have the attention span. <laughs> what? Where? Exactly. Where? No, that's and actually it's not I mean, I do have the t- I mean, I watched the entire Snyder cut in one go. So like I have the attention span for some stuff. Like I can sit down and watch like six hours worth of movies without batting an eye. And I can throw myself into an entire day of Disneyland or maybe like a weekend alarm. I mean, honestly, I'll admit this here to everybody, like uh, a blockbuster LARP, particularly if it's the right blockbuster LARP, and I'm thinking about the night in question in Texas. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> LARP. Like if the right one for me is out there, and I just I I for for all kinds of reasons, like I know it'll be some time before I go get to play in one of those and like let myself go um, and really let myself get lost in it. Um, well, and I. And I think, of course, a big part of it is just having to um, just because you can spend six hours online doesn't mean you should. Right. And I think especially in the early part of the pandemic, uh, we were all experimenting and playing with that and trying to find those limitations and things like that. So while like Leah, it's like I experimented, I experimented online and bring a lot in college during the pandemic. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> but like Leah from what I know about a lot of this style, like if you need a short break, if you need to be like out of character for a couple minutes, like you do have the agency to do that. Like there's often um, like a costume change or, or like an area where you can just like decompress and then hop back in. Right. Yeah, you do. So that's one of the things that often gets taught during the first part of a LARP, uh, which is usually the workshopping stage. Uh, And it's taught right alongside the rest of the safety mechanics because uh, self-care and knowing when you need to step out of character for a while is is part of safety. Uh, so they give you the tools, either a place you can go, a hand movement you can do. Um, there's often safety monitors that are working during the LARP. So yeah, there, there's definitely lots of ways to step out for a bit. Yeah. There's, there's, and what's been nice is over the past couple of decades, you know, coming out of the Nordic LARP community, there are a lot of cultural norms around checking in with people or letting people tap out of a scene um, and there being no stigma around it, right? Or at least in theory, no Mm -hmm. stigma around it, right? Well, also recognizing it's not binary, right? So you can de-escalate for a scene or a moment or you just need like a little breather. You're like, oh, this theme is too intense, but... I've got other stuff I can be checking out or doing or whatever. Right. So it's not the same as, Oh, experience is over for you. Yeah. Which, which right. is hugely important. 
It is. And I think this is one of the things that really draws me to LARP is it's one of the most immersive types of immersive experience because you have so much agency as a player. You're no longer just being managed by actors or uh, by the design of the show. You're also managing back and managing each other uh, in a way that makes it really communal and people really buy into it. Yeah. One of the interesting strains, and I think we'll, we'll move on in a moment to, to Patrick's big thing for the week. Um, one of the interesting strains in here is as people try and find how to feather the LARP and the immersive theater vibes together, Like I think a lot of it comes down to how acculturated the audience is to stepping in and taking agency. Mm-hmm. And that's a big difference in uh, a LARP scenario versus a theater scenario versus like an escape room scenario and setting those expectations in a way. I know there's people who chase, particularly in theater, this idea of like, can we, can we find a way to sort of, you know, set expectations for people without setting a, a very clear border? And they look at something like, a LARP scenario where someone comes and like gives them the rules baked down. is just like really, really alien. And I, I, the flip side of that is I look at something where there's kind of a tutorial baked in that's maybe a little diegetic to the experience uh, as being kind of the, the video game approach to teaching people how they're supposed to play in this moment without straight up doing a workshop and Mm -hmm. um this continues to be an area of absolute fascination for me as everyone tries to find like their own ways through well you know i think this is something that we've seen a lot of uh people do really well and a lot of people do really poorly especially during the pandemic so maybe next time we can come back and do a whole section on how shows introduce their audience to the show oh yeah like the onboarding. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds like a horror movie. The onboarding. Just um, wait. wait. So is offboarding the onboarding too? Like, is it the sequel? Son of off- onboarding. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Offboarding. Revenge of the onboarding. Offboarding. <laughs> onboarding too, right? That makes the most logical sense. I like the classic <laughs> where it's like onboarding, onboarding harder. <laughs> Boarding on and on and on. Too bored, too on. Wars it off. So, so before we move on completely from LARP, uh, I just wanted to say that I'm super excited uh, to see that College of Wizardry and Werewar have both announced that they're coming back in 2022. Woo, uh, great. Yeah, woo! And Bothwell, which is the UK College of Wizardry, is on the verge of announcing. So they're they're at the uh, stay tuned, we're thinking about 2022 point. Um, so watch them on online. Uh, and that's that's what I got for LARPing with Leah. Oof. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Good, good section. <laughs> also a good section name. You just you just defined your section, so it's great. Fantastic. Uh, once a quarter, we'll come back to LARPing with Leah. Uh, sliding <laughs> over to Chicago. Uh, Patrick, you were recently part of a team uh, that went to an online piece that was uh, Chicago themed in part, which is a thing we do to you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that you also raise your hand. It's not like for. in the job Let's title. Let's be clear: we're not forcing this on Patrick. He's no. also raised his hand. No, no, we we make him go to the stuff. It's in Chicago. He's got to go. That's the rule. 
If it's in the city limits, it's it's my jurisdiction. Yeah, <laughs> that, this that works around here, you know. Um, so uh, into the mist. T- talk to us about that. Ali had the review, but you were also part of the team that went and saw the show. Yeah, and so I think to one step back really quick. So like the into the mist is uh you know this uh, immersive online experience kind of very very LARPy in that sense of being able to free move and roll uh, roam around online. But so this originally is from Studio 5. They're in uh, Evanston, Illinois, which is the suburb just north of Chicago. Uh, And they were, are, they are primarily known as a uh, dance and, uh, you know, live music performance venue, which are just two things that while I love, I just generally can't make it to that often. And, you know, like everyone, they, of course, have not been able to have, you know, performances in their venue space there. So they made this pivot online to create this experience called Into the Mist. And for, you know, immersive fans and everyone, it really is essentially echelon light and it's kind of concept and functioning what happens is the conceit is that you are uh, you travel back in time through however uh, means you wish to do it to the 1920s to uh, engage in some very fun like jazzy era music swing dancing and stuff like that and you wander around a custom-built website that has different doors, and when you click on the door, you go to you know a Zoom breakout room, and there is a performer, uh, you know, entertaining the audience. But the what really I liked about it was that it's a variety of different things. You almost kind of you know the door has a title and gives you a slight uh, summary, but what essentially it is is you could be walking into uh, a magician teaching magic and explaining the history of magic. Uh, You can uh, walk and see a cartoonist who's explaining process and things like that and how it all worked at that time. It could be a husband and wife team just singing at the piano. Uh, It could be an acrobat doing a performance in their space. And it really gives the sense of this really live and engaged thing where you can just literally wander the halls and you don't know who to meet. And I, I, yeah, so I was part of the team. It was uh, Ali, uh, another correspondent, Kevin, uh, and myself who went. And, you know, we all wandered around, kind of doing our own things, checking in, being like, oh, did you see this? Check this out type thing. And uh, I think everything that Ali put in her, to her review, the criticism she had, I think is valid. Um, but what I really enjoyed about it was how friendly and easygoing it is like i know those are terms that sometimes you know you don't some people might not want their experience to be labeled as right but it was accessible it was enjoyable it was relaxing like in that same way we were talking earlier like sometimes an on rails experience is a delight and into the mist is not that but you know uh, the stakes were pretty straightforward just wander around meet people there is a light puzzle component uh, you know, find the clues, put the puzzle together, and maybe you'll unlock uh, access to a secret room. But it was just really nice to like engage with people and things like that. And it all culminated at the end into an experience where the I presume it's a regular band that plays with at Studio Five, who does a thirty-minute live performance. And uh, I don't know about y- you three, but 
it was an utter delight to just sit there and listen to magician, uh, not magi- musicians. <laughs> musicians. Thank yeah. you, musicians. I think you're saying it was magical to listen <laughs> yes. to live yes. jazz in yes. your apartment and feel a connection to the band. <laughs> exactly, because I definitely just put like my feet up and I just listened, and like it's like they're bantering, they're talking about, hey, let's do this song and let's give it like this tempo and things like that. Was the band and- was the band like ambient characters? in the show before they were performing by any no, chance? No, the, oh, they weren't. But it Ooh, loomed over everything. Like, okay. everyone was yeah. like, oh, well, maybe we'll see you. Like, thanks for stopping by my room. Uh, hopefully I'll see you when the band goes on at the top of the hour. Yeah. So it was definitely ever-presence and the, definitely something the evening was building to. So, Patrick, I, I attended on my own, um, I think the night after y'all did, and – the singer, the vocalist, Roya Naldi, was in one of her rooms. I think she was in the dressing room before before yes, the yes. final. Right. There we go. And did you recognize that voice uh, of our MC during Into the Mist? Uh, no. <laughs> should I? Well, it depends. If you're in Chicago and you listen to public radio, that's Steve Rashid, who is the DJ at 90.9 FM WDCB. <laughs> which is uh, Chicago jazz. Oh, nice. Look at that. Excellent. <laughs> Leah, should, maybe you should be the Chicago curator. Uh, Leah, Leah, Leah's on the public radio side of things. So. I am. And the only reason I know that is because the whole time I kept thinking, God, this guy sounds like people I work with. <laughs> awesome. There, there is, there's a voice in a mode. Yeah. I mean, just, just so folks know uh, what Patrick's referring to about uh, Ali's piece. I mean, Ali, Ali's major note on it is just, it, it isn't as, um, it doesn't necessarily have as much, as many layers of complexity as Eschaton does, um, which uh, Eschaton's definitely built like a true fan base has these like, you know, mysteries within mysteries in terms of its puzzling, uh, you know, like some soap opera stuff going on uh, in the background. And this, this while having a lot of the external trappings, didn't go that route. Um, but, you know, I also, I, I look at what, what Ali wrote, I look at what you're saying, and like, you know, there, there are folks who live for the challenge, and there are folks who live for the kind of the ambiance. And then there are folks who like live for the characters. And I don't know, I'm definitely not one of the people who lives for the challenge, right? Like the challenge for me, if I like the character, like I'm a character guy. If I love the characters, I'm going to be invested in your story. I'll do whatever challenge is required to figure out like who these people are. And I will, I will follow that to the end of the earth. But if you just approach me with just like, here's this challenge. Don't you want to know what's behind this door? And but there's no character attached to it. I'll be like, no, not really, right? And then there's other people who just love an ambiance. They don't even need the characters to be there. So I've become very intrigued about this show, um, and whether it's more ambiance or character. And I'm also intrigued because Eschaton has stood down for a hot minute. And they're about to go on sale again. And I know they've been uh, expanding their casting pool. So I think they may be making some adjustments into like, you know, their formula to some degree. I'm not sure exactly what that might be uh, or even if, uh, but I am, I am excited about this idea that this form keeps evolving 
I do wonder overall as you know, the reopening begins everywhere, uh, how much people are going to want to spend doing this sort of stuff. Uh, although Eschaton's brilliant in that it's just an hour long. How, how long is into the mist? Uh, in theory, only 90 minutes. Uh, it's uh, an hour of gameplay, and then there is the, the roughly show. the 30 minutes of the band playing. But they played late because it was – I don't know whether it was maybe they knew people were there reviewing that night. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they played like a, at least I feel like a 45-minute set, and mm. they just kept on going, and it, the audience stayed around for sure. And I think definitely, Noah, I guess what – in what you talked about, the ambiance really resonated with me in this piece for uh, a group of talented performer and artists who are new to immersive, who built a custom website, who this was their first like event like this in person or online. Uh, you know, I, I thought it really was engaging in that sense. And it was just nice to not be on all the time too, because that's something I definitely struggle with, uh, both in person on online sometimes in uh, reviewing and just seeing immersive experiences. It's just being like, uh, am I am I me? Am I a version of me, or am I this character? And how much should I be engaged? Just because maybe I'm picking up what's putting down does that I don't want to steal the thunder and be the only person interacting, so I'm going to have to scale it back and things like that. And I didn't have to worry about any of that while attending into the mist. And mm. along those lines, the audience very much was wanting to just have a party because I was frankly shocked the amount of people uh, who dressed up in costumes at home, like to simply maybe put a hat on or put a nice jacket. But there were definitely people dressed in suits and in their uh, flapper dresses and really getting into the theme of it where typically I feel when, uh, unless maybe it's like a LARP situation uh, uh, or something very close to it, the audience rarely is dressed up and engaged to that level. They're usually, you know, six feet away from the screen on their couch, just staring <laughs> blankly into the zoom and you get fascinated with watching them instead of the experience sometimes. Yeah. So I, I you know, so that like they, they found a really great ambiance that really resonated with an audience who was either maybe new or looking for something casual. I mean, it makes me wonder if like that company as a group of people, have a lot of folks who love Jazz Age as their existing fan base or as their friends. And, you know, there's a lot of people that stuff's been hanging in folks' closet for, you know, a year and hasn't been able to be dusted off. And, mm -hmm. and folks just wanting to kind of dive into it. It's one of, it is one of the more popular, uh, you know, theme party themes. Uh, and also has some like diehearted adherence. So it's, it's definitely a, a smart, formula for people to chase i could i could see someone else standing up one of these things that was you know totally swing dance you know swing era 40s uh you know that part of the jazz era themed um you know go a little more uh either you know either new york or la with with that or maybe some kansas city um catherine Let's let's uh, flash ourselves back. Speaking of retro, let's go back to last month and uh, touch on South by because uh, we we dove deep in there. Yes, yes. Um, I was able to see about half the pieces that were not in competition, and I saw everything in competition except for 
one piece, which I'm guessing is probably your pick. So I'll talk about like the two things that super stood out to me. Um, Space Explorers by Felix and Paul. Um, it's actually out now. Um, if you have a Quest or a Rift, they've, I think they've kind of changed their, their model and that the app itself is free and that you're buying the episodes. So for $2.99, you get to see in 360 degrees around you, this film, this documentary of astronauts performing experiments inside the space station, which includes, um, I guess, what do you call it? Like gardening, some some botany. So that was just, Felix Paul, just super high production value, really interesting. Like I want to go back and just like look around and not necessarily even like look at the astronauts, but just, just to see their living quarters and the structure and the environment. So fantastic use of VR because, hey, I'm, I'm not going up to the ISS anytime soon. I'm guessing you're not. So just being able to just get that taste of what it's like to be up there, it's so fascinating. And they've done such a good job with capturing the environment and what life is like up in outer space. Um, and then the other thing that really took me by surprise that I didn't expect was actually um, it was a PC game, but um, it's called Before Your Eyes, and it's a first-person narrative. Um, it's kind of like this afterlife. You're going to flash back through your memories because you're dead now kind of story, but they use the webcam, and so the narrative branches based upon either when you blink or if you're looking at one of the targets on the screen. So this is one of the few like first person perspective PC games where I felt like a lot more embodied than usual because it wasn't through the keyboard, through the mouse or through like an Xbox controller. You were controlling the narrative just by where you were looking. And um, part of the, the mechanic just kind of metaphorically was around how uh, no matter how much you love reliving your memories, you can't stay here because you're dead. And so it became like this little game of like, I didn't want to blink because I wanted to keep hearing the characters, keep hearing the actors, keep hearing the dialogue. But at some point I blinked and then the story would move on. Um, and they were doing a lot of really interesting stuff with like vignetting around the edges. And sometimes your vision is splotchy or you get floaters um, after like a really emotional moment, like the game gave you like double vision. So that's coming out on Steam. Um, it should be out by the time this podcast drops. It's called Before Your Eyes. And yeah, uh, I just, I felt really immersed and embodied, even though it was on a screen, which is not what I expected. And it's like the only thing I think I saw at South by that wasn't in VR, which again, very surprising. I, I think I'm starting to hear some buzz about that kind of at the, at the edges. And I'm not sure if that's coming in from like, the part of the feed that you know, can't buy curates or you know part of my gaming feed right now uh, over on Twitter. Um, but yeah, that, that idea of, you know, feeling embodied despite the fact that it's, it's not the helmet, it's not the headset, it's just a screen based thing, but this, just this idea of activating a part of that, that there's, that there's a, part of our physicality that is mm -hmm, impacting mm -hmm. the way the narrative unfolds, even if it's not like a big choice agency wise, like there's just so many more dimensions. And like when people, it's exciting. Cause like, you know, 
when people start going like, oh, we're going to get eye tracking into the VR headsets. It's like, yeah, but like, what are you going to do with that? You know, oh, so now you're looking at the avatar a little bit better or you're looking at your friend's avatar. Like, yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be great. I don't want to knock that at all. But something like this shows how the more we open up the bandwidth, the more of the human we get into these digital experiences the more options we have to to create an emotional connection into these stories. For sure. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so what did you like at South by Southwest, Noah? <laughs> um, you know, my, my, the thing that I think that I was probably the most into uh, was a uh, Bioloom, which is this, uh, it's a piece out of France. Uh, it has, um, Oh boy, I think Charlotte Rampling, I think, is one of the actors. And then oh, Dominique, I can't I think it's Dominique, I can't remember her last name. She plays um she plays Naomi Nagata on uh, The Expanse. Like she's she's oh a character. God. She's the character <laughs> That's some who, serious voice talent. <laughs> yeah, she's the character who you are. Like that's your voice. And I didn't I didn't realize who it was until I think Dominic Tipper, I think is her name. Uh, but I probably got that wrong. Uh, because I'm literally going off memory and trying to like my brain is like showing me images. It's like I've got the actor, but like I'm like I'm seeing oh, no, both you're like right. yeah. I am Dominic okay, good. Good, Tipper good, good. from the expanse and Charlotte Rampling, who's gonna be in Dune. <laughs> I'm good I'm good at this, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just might know what you're talking about. I'm, I just might know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So like Dominique and then this is the thing, is like I didn't know who that that's who it was. When I went in, because like I'm like, oh, I don't want to look at your your statement. Let me have the experience. And so right off the bat, it's like, oh, this voice acting is really good, and also my quote unquote voice is really familiar. And actually, it wasn't until a couple of days later when I bothered to look at the thing that I was like, oh my god, like it was it was it was Naomi, you know, like, and uh, the character's name, right? So uh, just just it's this weird trippy piece that at first looks like it could be of the type that the blue is which is this realistic sci-fi light exploration of undersea environments but this is not that this is a sci-fi full piece it's definitely starts to i don't want to give too much away but like it's a sci-fi piece straight up and you're in these environments with these bioluminescent creatures who uh Maybe maybe only they're 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 maybe a little more than you might encounter IRL. Uh, but there's there's a whole dramatic story that's clearly underpinning the relationship between the character that you're embodying and their boss who's in your ear. And just I'm I'm really into this storytelling technique right now of letting you be in the character's head. This is something that kind of goes back to, you know, the early days of the VR renaissance and to projects like uh, Narcrosis, where you had characters being voiced and you're looking through the world through their eyes, but you're getting their inner monologue. Uh, in this case, you don't get um, your character's inner monologue. It's definitely the dialogue you're hearing. But I'm just super here for this technique. Um, I like seeing it deployed. Uh, I I like what it does in terms of prompting me to act, right? 
like I'm getting a character read, so I'm going to try and physicalize in that. And it's an on rails experience that gives you a little bit of agency to move off the rails uh, and goes to some trippy places. Uh, there's, there's like one close to two jump scares in it. So if, if that's going to be, yeah, a, I'm going to need breaker. some spoilers, yo. <laughs> yeah, like there's, 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 there's a jump scare at the start and there's something that's less of a jump scare and more of a bit of a, like, a, Oh Oh boy. Right. You know, but not a, not necessarily a full on, like, you know, like you can be, you can be ready for it. Right. Not just like, we gotcha, but a bit of a sense of dread, uh, through, through kind of like the back third of it. Okay. okay. Um, I, I can deal with dread. Yeah. <laughs> dark, dark field's been trained. See, I've been training myself on dark field. Thumbs up. Will Thumbs I try up. on the headset again? It's entirely possible. I don't, this isn't, this isn't really a, this isn't a crier and honestly like what they do like they build up the dread and then what they hit you they hit you with something after the dread and and then that's where things get get weird <laughs> but like in a good way cool. and so that's what i think is so fascinating about it and also why you know i wouldn't call this a horror piece even though we've got you know that that place where sci-fi and horror dance together Mm-hmm. um Creepy, you know evocative disturbing yeah it's 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 there you know this is not mm-hmm. alien this isn't even i think necessarily the abyss or maybe it's closer to the abyss than alien also may, maybe i haven't ever sat down and watched the abyss but so like, that's a thing but <laughs> well uh, this is out in october so that'll give me plenty of time to um train to get, get on my little horror uh training wheels <laughs> yeah you know, and I've got a, a list of uh, horror movies everyone should watch, so uh, we can talk after this. Happy to help. <laughs> it's good. It's good. And and maybe the reason why I've never watched The Abyss is because The Abyss is one of the first films to have a director's cut, and I was very confused as to which one I was supposed to watch. And then I was also convinced that I need to have a laser disc player in order to see it the way it was meant to be seen, and maybe Aww. I gave up. Uh, <laughs> it was just like, I'm never going to see this so. the way it's meant to be seen, so like, whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> One day. You're not missing out as someone who's seen both. Don't worry about it. <laughs> she gets fired. She gets fired on James Cameron. Yeah. yeah. Sure if anyone has complaints for Patrick, his email is <laughs> You can shots fire on James Cameron on this show. Like, what? Are the Avatar stands going to come for you? I think not. So, um, oh, did I just shots fire on Avatar? There are, there are Avatar stands? Oh, God. Five of them. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, how many fingers do the? Never mind. I mm, not gonna go there. Three? I don't know. That's like I was. What? Here's okay. This drove me nuts the other day. I watched. So Disney put all of this, not all, but a bunch of what they're now calling Star Wars vintage stuff. So like stuff that's no longer canon, but was like made in like the late seventies and into the eighties, including like the Ewok movies and the Ewok cartoon show, and also the original nineteen seventy nine or nineteen eighty Boba Fett. Uh, cartoon from the Star Wars, the infamous Star Wars holiday special. And here's the thing that was driving me nuts and why you'll, you'll understand why in a second, why I'm talking about this now. I'm watching this thing and about halfway through, I'm like, why does Boba Fett only have three fingers? Is Boba Fett supposed to be an alien? He's got a thumb and three fingers. Like was the original idea that Boba Fett was going to be an alien. And then about a minute later, and he's like going around with Chewbacca. So I'm like, oh my God, I think Boba Fett's supposed to be an alien. And they're talking about how like only humans are affected by this sleeping sickness thing. And then suddenly I see a stormtrooper and the stormtrooper's only got three fingers. And I see Luke. <laughs> Luke's only got three fingers. 
these people drew everyone with just three fingers. And apparently mm-hmm. that's how you saved money on animation in the 70s. You just forgot how many fingers people had. No, I, clearly, I clearly that means that everybody was an alien and we've all been wrong this whole time. Yeah. Cool. I you addressed. know, I can, I can do that in Unity for you. I'll make you a <laughs> VR game where you only have three fingers. It's like, you know, I just get the mesh in Maya and make some changes. Yeah. <laughs> it was... It was interesting. It was weird. I, I was I was very confused for a hot minute, and then I was even more confused. <laughs> and then I remembered it was it was the holiday special, right? You know, like the answer to all the the answer to why with all of that is simple. Cocaine. I kind of want that now, like an alternative <laughs> universe, like version of it, and like the three fingers is just part of the world building, but no one talks about it. No one talks about it. Yeah. The original <laughs> intention of George Lucas was always everyone to have three fingers, of course, and that's that's the purest expression of the holiday special is that we got Star Wars as it was meant to be, and we've been chasing that ever since. That's not English they're speaking. It's basic. <laughs> All right, moving on. Um, I guess we, we 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 clearly we ran out of South by uh, and and uh, we've been at this for a minute. But so uh, I wanted to break out mine uh, for this week. Um, so last night, and, and mostly because I'm I I haven't written the review yet. I'm struggling's the wrong word. It's more just kind of like, oh, I'm gonna have to like like this one. This one requires like real work analysis Um, yeah because this is a piece called uh and let me let me make sure i get this apps oh i already closed the mail uh under the freeways of los angeles uh it's a piece from a theater company here in la uh if memory serves this is their first uh interactive quasi-experiential piece so it's framed as uh you've been you've been called upon to help solve a mystery uh there's a young couple uh has been has been killed their bodies found in hollenbeck park uh it's 1960 hollenbeck park is in boyle heights it's just when the the five freeway the california state highway has just been built literally bisecting the lake right like they've driven pylons into the lake and built the freeway over the lake and cut this neighborhood in half this this neighborhood that is you know at one point was considered like the ellis island of of la county it had uh this very diverse uh makeup it was it was a community that was jewish and black and latino and japanese so of and course we put a highway through it so we cut a highway right through it right and that's what we do in america that's what we do in america and so it's this it's this piece about uh, it's about a killing in a, in a in a place that's charged at a time that's charged, and it's it's a new play. It's structured so that um, about a quarter of the audience it goes through and has time with each of these characters of interest at a time. There's uh, actually there's five, so a fifth of the audience are five characters of interest uh, who who maybe have a piece of the puzzle, and. What's here's what's frustrating to me, and and I'm and you know, uh, might get. A, I'm gonna try not to be too spoilery, but it plays a little bit with the tropes of. It plays with some mystery tropes here about, um, you know, like a, a, a crime that seems to maybe be unsolvable. I'll put it that way, 
And what, 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 what's gotten me kind of like worked up in this point is the acting in this piece is really good. The characters have what feel like monologues that are really well written. The, what we would call in a fiction piece, the world building. And here I'm just going to call it the dramaturgy. The dramaturgy of this piece, I think is, is just close to ironclad, right? The research is there. Uh, a, a deep affection for a place and time that is lost to us. A, a, a still this kind of grief over what's been lost is very much apparent in the script. Feels to be resonating through the direction in a clear way. And yet so much of it winds up running up against this idea that we're told we're here to help investigate the crime. We're told by the company that we can make up whatever character we want, which I think is the first big problem. It's like, you can define who you want to be in relation to this, which I think this is a new company. In, this company hasn't necessarily dealt with this sort of stuff before. And this idea of how do you cast the audience? One of the things I realized in this piece is that because they haven't defined who we really are as investigators, they've just sort of, you're members of this community who are concerned with it. But they haven't, by not defining us, they haven't given the actors a chance to know who we are and to endow us with qualities and to sort of lead us through their reaction to what we do to kind of ground the experience, at least in, in that dimension. And then there's this whole other layer in which there's things, you know, a, a, a good, I had this experience doing the, the, the Sherlock one. I had like the, actually the, the opposite experience where when I did uh, L'Enfance Terrible's Sherlock piece, there were red herrings in that piece, but all of those red herrings made sense. They all led somewhere. They had a little story to them. There was a reason why you could think that, oh, this is who the killer is. Here, and this is kind of spoilery, it doesn't really work that way. And it and the actors weren't set up to kind of know where their it, it didn't feel like the actors were set up to know where their story actually terminated, but were instead left a little intentionally vague to keep us always wondering what was really going on. And that and I and aside from just wanting to like, you know, be in public and be like, I don't know what to what to write about this, right? Like that I felt was just so it, it, it's frustrating because I really like the acting. I really like the the dialogue. I really like what this got me thinking about Hollenbeck Park and Boyle Heights and the freeway and the legacy of what that act did to us all. And this going back, you know, Leah, to, to what I was saying about, you know, the window, the fact that this is part of this, this uh, you know, a, a fresh wave of theater that's about something that's taking up the tools we're all so familiar with. But those tools are kind of getting in the way of the story they're really trying to tell. But I don't think they would have to. I think there might actually be a way to thread this needle, and maybe I'm just naive. But the the 
the idea that this is just way bigger than like anything personal, I still think there might be a way to approach that in this interactive form. Um, but golly gee willikers, instead of kind of come out of it feeling like that I saw a good play that got in its own way and something that was not, that I never should have been told was a mystery that I had to participate in. But we'll maybe one day make a really great processional in 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 situ in the space itself. So I don't know if you guys have ever like encountered work that kind of like strikes those kind of chords in quite that way. I don't I don't know if there's anything for the team to to jump in on here, but well, I, I wish that you could. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Um, oh, yeah, I go, wish you could... go for it. Yeah. You could see me right now um, because I'm just like holding my hands to my heart because mm. one of the worst feelings in the world, I think, when it comes to immersive is getting so close to getting everything right and having that one piece where you can almost like you wish you could just talk to people and say, oh, but you'd, you'd be you'd be achieving what you wanted to achieve if you could just do X, Y, or Z. And oh, I don't know. I, I'm feeling for you right now is what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, and I was just going to kind of mine out like the the red herring situation because I think this is such um I mean this is the pitfall of the mystery genre uh, classically and something that continually happens. I cuz you're talking about a mystery in LA. I think of course Raymond Chandler and in his first book, The Big Sleep, uh you know, through a series of events, you know, one of the main suspects chauffeur, you know, ends up dead. But then it's like well, who killed him and why and and of that and it none of it pans out and later Chandler's like, oh yeah, I forgot about resolving that. And I'm not saying that's the case here or anything. I, and I but I bring that up just as a comparison to be that what you're talking about now with red herrings is I think you're right. Like it leads somewhere tangible. Like you've ruled out this suspect for a very important and valid reason, and it maybe even is an emotionally engaging one that carries on their own story but just to be able to go oh nope they were definitely at you know dodger stadium uh watching the game and they were on the jumbotron because uh, they time traveled i guess while they were doing it in this scenario it's okay, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> but like it's like oh well they're they definitely didn't do it so let's just cross them off the list that's just not rewarding that's just working and that's just doing a job there's nothing dramatic or engaging with it so i think I think that's a very valid thing to well, like struggle with. But like, but like, like that actual, that actual where I actually like that kind of red herring because the, the sense of like the circle tightening, right? Like it's for me in a mystery, it's like the soft edges are getting sharper and sharper and sharper, right? It's almost like you, you give me five persons of interest and it's like each one of them is under a spotlight, Right. And then as I rule people out, the spotlight goes out, like, boom, person four is out. Now it's a little, the light's a little sharper on everybody. And one by one, I'm able to whittle it down until I'm down to two. And then it usually comes down to, you know, the means, the motive or the opportunity, right? You know, like, but, but in a story, in a story, it's, it's the why, why did you do it? And, and that kind of arc in a mystery Clearly, I love right. Listen, listen to me right now. Um, and I don't even think of myself as a big mystery fan, but I've had eras of my life where I have been, and it's kind of deeply ingrained in me. But in this piece in particular, like 
by them touching the controls, you know, at all, it just, it just kind of, it kind of crashed into what they were doing. And, you know, they, they didn't on, there was zero on board. We, we turned on the zoom. There was no one greeting us. There was nothing. Yeah. We were just kind of dumped in. I saw someone, I thought they were the thing. And I was like, Hey, is my mic on? I thought it was the only one. No, it just, I had left my thing on like, you know, a different, a, a set view. I was seeing one person because they were set for speaker view. And that person was just the last participant to talk. And that's the first person I saw. And I was like, oh, what's going on here? And it wasn't until the show started, they started to onboard us. And like, you know, they didn't, there was, there was no room in, there was no time in between rotations. There was like one point it's like, we had 10 seconds to like talk and I was trying and, and one of the, one of the audience members had been like really antagonistic to one of the characters. And I was going to be like, Oh, Hey, look, if we're going to go got back up, but there was no time. The next person was in. And literally like at the end of the next one, that person was like, you know, and they, they, they weren't shit talking the, the actor, but they were like, you know, trash talking the character. And they were like, Oh, I think that that last one was really sketchy. And the, the character, the actor was still in the room. And I, literally before they dumped us out of the room, I was like, oh, she's still here with us? And then boom, we were kicked out of the breakout room, right? Like almost as if God had planned like an ironic beat. And the thing that I think I'm actually really frustrated about is like in both of those cases, that guy was actually onto something. And it was this like belligerent old white guy who was like onto something about these characters of color. And I'm like, dear God, why did it have to be that? Like, don't do uh, so like just these layers of like also a lot of boomers boomering like there were there are a lot of boomers on that zoom it was a zoom boom a boom boom zoom zoom room <laughs> and uh, i don't want to be in a boom boom zoom room ever again period pandemic or no so yeah but Catherine doesn't know what that's about at all this is why a lot of times when you book that escape room or murder mystery, you do it with just your friends and there's like six of you, maybe more, right? Like a lot of what you're describing is what the first year of game design university is, is, oh no, they don't know who they are. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing. They're acting in ways I did not anticipate. They are misinterpreting this information. Ah, I need to provide much more structure I need to play test a lot more and I need to like, because it's a mystery, you, the creator have all the information because it's your mystery. So it's really hard to put yourself in the shoes of a brand new person who doesn't know anything about your mystery and then try to figure out if it is actually solvable from yeah. that other perspective. And which is why you need to play test these sorts of things and, you know, murder mystery, whatever it can feel low stakes, but one that is well-designed with the right reveals, the right clues, and the right dead ends, like there is an art to it. <laughs> yeah. well, And, and, and it I really does come down to design then too, because some of my best experiences with these pandemic type shows have been with boomers that I've never met before. So, uh, I mean, and with also Gen Zers and all sorts of people from across the country, but people that I didn't go into expecting to meet, um, Oh, I don't know. I've made some good friends over this last year. Yeah. I, I think the, the other dynamic here is like there, I feel like I'm sensing from the person making this a, does a, a desire to subvert the form, a desire to deny you answers. And mm. that's okay. 
And particularly because I think that desire they're pursuing is actually in service of a bigger theme and a theme like, like, (laughs) I mean, honestly, a bigger theme that is just like, oh, you thought it was racism. You thought it was this, you thought it was that, but there's something deeper going on here, right? Like there's this hole in the center of the mystery that speaks to something maybe more, right? Is, is what they're aiming for. And in those, in that subverting of these expectations, but because there's no Chrome, because there's nothing to anchor, because we don't know where the rules are, because we're, you know, we're not given a place for, we're never given a place to be comforted. So we can't be discomfited. It, it, it doesn't wind up reading. And so, um, yeah, this, this is, this is my writing task ahead of me in the next 48 hours is try and try and corral this jumble of, of thoughts. Um, and also without spoiling it. And also while I think, I think I do want people, in fact, not even think, I know I want students of the form to go check this show out because of the ways, the, the things it gets right. And the things, you know, it gets wrong, quote unquote, it's, doing those both in interesting ways, right? And I think there's something in what it's quote-unquote getting wrong that could, if broken the right way, maybe lead to something profound. Um, yeah. That's it in a nutshell. <laughs> All right. Well, I have done what I always do, which is I've kidnapped your attention for an hour or so and made you deal with my various manias. So, um, let's, let's do this waypoint style. Uh, Patrick, you're in Chicago. Oh, that's very waypoint. Patrick, you're in Chicago. Uh, where can people find you? <laughs> uh, exactly right where you said, no, uh, you know, I'm on all the social media platforms as Patrick B. McLean. Uh, feel free to follow me and engage me there. Of course, I'm also trying to be available on the No Proceeding Discord and things like that. Try to be a presence there as well. But always feel free to reach out. Leah in New England, where can people find you? Uh, they can't because I <laughs> I have uh, right exactly. Remember the whole like no time or space thing. Uh, no, I'm just I'm actively not on Twitter or a lot of other places. But you can find me at Lula Davis on the NoProsenium.com website. Fantastic. Finally, Catherine Yu, where can we find you? Uh, my handle is Catherine Yu on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I don't know. I hate social media. That's fine. You know, if you think you're talking to at no proscenium, I want to say like two thirds of the time it's me, one third of the time it's Noah. So More four, fifths. four fifths of the time it's you. <laughs> four fifths. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's the truth. I'm there a fifth of the time. Uh, however, if you're talking to us on LinkedIn, which I'm actually starting to screw with because apparently we have to now, uh, it's me. I'm taking care of that. So also, uh, Catherine, I'm letting you know I'm taking care of our LinkedIn. So Cool. See you uh, on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's a, uh, it, I was shocked at how many people were posting. Like the other day I clicked, I was like, oh my God, you know, I was like, I guess, I guess this, I guess we better do this now. Uh, so yeah. Uh, just, just another, another thing to handle. All right. Thank you all. Thank you very much. And, um, good night.
and good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you, everyone. See you at, at the offboarding. At the off offboarding. Off offboarding. It's like the after after party. <laughs> Electric bugaloo. <laughs> oh no. All right, stop. And this. scene. Once again, want to thank Leah, Patrick, Catherine. Oh, wait. <laughs> I was going to say, and myself. No. Like I said, I'm very tired. Uh, I want to thank the team for uh, coming on the show this week and uh, ushering us into a bye week uh, the best way I know how, which is uh, with getting the team together. Um, yeah. Uh, here, here's the thing. Like, I've, I've been, I've been kind of upbeat since Spring Fling, uh, but I have been tired. And, uh, I, I, I know I need to like recharge, particularly because there's some interesting opportunities that are opening up. Uh, there's some interesting challenges that are, that are being hurled our way and there's still just like the basic survival thing. So, um, expect in May for us to be making a lot of noise. Um, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna want your assistance. One, one thing that can really help. And I never mentioned this is, uh, please go rate the show on iTunes, uh, or your other podcast service of choice. Um, you know, it really helps to have all admit it. it helps to have those five-star ratings. Uh, I wish that rating systems were subtler, uh, and, but honestly it's binary. Five is good. Anything else is bad. Um, three is actually zero. Twos and ones are negative numbers. Uh, <laughs> That's how people, people, people do not see a five-star system. They see a number line. Um, and I don't understand why everyone doesn't understand that. Like it's so blaringly obvious to me, right? Like that's, that's why like, if something's mediocre, a three is not actually what you want to give it. You want to give it a four, uh, because three means it shouldn't exist. And two means it actively hurt you. Uh, and one means you should hunt down the person who made it and make their lives a living hell. Right. So, and that's just the five point system. Don't get me started on a 10 pointer. Um, so yeah, so, uh, please, uh, five-star podcast, five-star runtime, as they like to say on Waypoint. Um, there's the, uh, the there's a whole bunch of material that we recorded over the course of Spring Fling. That will start uh, dribbling out uh, first to the Patreon backers and the people who had tickets. So it'll be in the Spring Fling section of the Discord, uh, of which uh, all, everyone should, uh, everyone of those, those tiers will uh, make sure we get access to that for everybody we just like set something up specifically that just says like links to and then in time we'll make those public as well uh they'll be part of the part of the grand archive um yeah and i don't know there's there's other stuff uh but it's like under wraps because you never know if stuff's actually going to happen or not uh and it involves a lot of work and uh right now when i think about work i just get tired so uh i will say and and this is some of the stuff that that was noted at Spring Fling. You know, we are we are hurtling towards reopening, uh, at least in California right now, in a real way. Disneyland's coming back online. Uh, Madcap Motel, which had to pull the plug uh, at the same time that we pulled the plug on the summit last year, uh, they're going to get a chance to open. Um, I'll be visiting them on April twenty eighth. 
uh, ahead of their opening uh, uh, that weekend. Uh, so there's just, there's going to be a lot. And um, when I get back, like I said, uh, back from this little hiatus, have to hit the ground running. Uh, there's plenty of stuff going on in VR land. Installations are opening again. Things are just getting exciting. So, um, so I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> so I have energy to keep up with it all. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, keep, keep your eyes on what we're up to because, uh, it's going to be fun. All right. Let's do the credits and everything. Okay. Music for No Persinium, of course, is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers of No Persinium, who you can join at patreon.com slash no persinium, are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Sidney Guillory, Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hurston, who has his album out today, Emily Gillette, Samuel Mustry, Brittany, and Elaine. Again, thank you all for being our backbone. You can find everything we do at nopersinium.com and everythingimmersive.com. When you go to them together, that's everything we do. Uh, the heart of our operation these days is the Discord. You can find a link here in the show notes if you have not yet joined. Uh, that's the first line into the uh, metaverse for us, and it contains uh, information you'll not find anywhere else because we haven't looked at it yet. <laughs> You can also find us uh, uh, running the, uh, the, 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 the madness over at the Everything Immersive group on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram, on LinkedIn these days. Yeah, doing LinkedIn, the whole nine yards. So um, you can't escape us. But we would we would really love it if you came come and join us at Discord, um, where we occasionally throw a happy hour, like tonight. Uh, actually, we're going to hold it in Gather, but that's a whole other thing. Anyway, I won't see you next week, but I'll see you the week after that. And until next time, thank you for wearing the mask. 